welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. Buddy Walsh. Today, Bible study will be in the book of Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. Now, speaking to the eleven, never forget that the scripture has to be determined who is speaking and to whom. Well, here we have Jesus, of course, speaking to the eleven. The Bible says, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, which of course was the area of Jerusalem and Samaria, and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. They never did get to the uttermost parts of the earth. The twelve have absolutely no scriptural record of going to the uttermost parts of the earth because of Israel's unbelief. The nation continued to reject and reject and reject, and we will soon and we will see some place along the line, but around that point in time, God turns to the Gentiles through the Apostle Paul. But until that time, we're still dealing with the eleven, who will soon be twelve once again, and the nation of Israel under the covenant promises. That's what uh, I'm going to show in the next little bit, that we still have not left the scenario of Christ's earthly ministry. You know, I like to put it this way. The four Gospels are just an extension of the Old Testament. That would be Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're just an extension of the Old Testament. Nothing has changed except that the Messiah has made his appearance. Israel is still keeping temple worship, synagogue worship. They still have no intent of going to the Gentiles with anything. But look at what Matthew chapter 10 verse 5 says. Matthew chapter 10 verse 5 says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and, and to any city of the Samaritan enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's their religion. Nothing changes except that Christ has now made it his appearance. All right. Now, after we go through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, he ascends back to glory in the next few verses. You continue on in the book of Acts and still nothing changes, except now it's the hands of the twelve to perform the signs and wonders and miracles to yet convince the nation that this Jesus, who had just left their midst, was indeed the promised Messiah. That's the whole scope of Scripture until we get to the Apostle Paul. The coming Messiah the coming earthly kingdom, and then when he comes, believe who he is. This is the promised one. But they couldn't, so he went through the death, burial, and resurrection. All right. Now we're going to see that after he has sinned, still nothing changes. It's still the same format. The Bible says, the one you crucified is alive and is still able to be the king. All right. So they don't go to the uttermost parts of the earth because Israel had rejected the Messiah, who would have made it possible. Catch that. They never got any farther than Samaria. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. And when, when he had spoken these things, 
while they beheld, in other words, while the eleven were standing there watching him visibly, physically and bodily, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward the heaven as he went up. Now, don't just read over that. Just stop and think of that for a minute. Put yourself in those guys' shoes. There they stood aghast, having just spent 40 days with him. They were having a hard time comprehending how he could slip through a wall and go from Jerusalem to Galilee in a split second, and yet sit down and eat fish with them. All these things, I'm sure, were just boggling their minds. Yet they were afraid to say too much because the Lord would put them down with, Oh, ye of little faith, what's the matter with you? And now to have this experience, he's standing there visibly with them one minute, and all of a sudden, like a rocket, he takes off. That's enough to shake anybody's shoes, isn't it? But that's what happened. There they stand watching him go up, and at the same moment, miraculously, angels appear beside them. Now I want to read you the book of Acts chapter 1, the second part of verse 10 and 11. As he went up, behold, two men stand by them in white apparel. They're angels, but they appear as men. Verse 11, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Now, what's the next statement? That's, this is what all of Christianity has been waiting on now for 2,000 years. This same Jesus, what does that mean? in that same body with which he just now left in that same physical form, he's going to return once again. The Bible says, which is taken up from you into the heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. All right. Now let's go back for a moment to John's Gospel, chapter 14, where again most of Christianity has completely inverted the meaning uh, they have twisted it all out of shape. John 14, at the time of the Passover, just before his crucifixion, all got it. John 14, starting in verse 1, those very familiar verses. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will, what? Come again. Now see, most of Christianity believes in a rapture and tries to make this rapture language. This is not a referral to the rapture. This is a referral to his second coming. That's when he's going to return to the nation of Israel in fulfillment of the Old Testament promise. The body of Christ and Paul's gospel of grace, which is located in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. They have not been revealed yet. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 says this, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. 
For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. I'm always stressing to people who can't believe in a, in a rapture. It's because they won't read Paul. Paul alone teaches the rapture of the body of Christ because Paul alone reveals the body of Christ. Paul alone gives the gospel we must believe in our heart in order to be placed into the body of Christ. Paul alone gives the Christian walk for the body of Christ. So Paul alone refers to things concerning the glorious body of Christ and the rapture. What Jesus is sharing here in John 14 is his second coming, seven years after the rapture takes place. Again, take my old rule of thumb. Who is speaking? Jesus. Who is he speaking to? To the twelve. And they represent Israel. So leave it in that setting. He's still dealing with that after he's ascended. He's going to return to that same Jerusalem from which he left. No, these mansions here are not ours. Read John 14 carefully. Don't accuse me of taking away your mansions because I'm not. Because these mansions are probably probably tense compared to what we're going to have in glory. We don't know what we're going to have. Did you know that? And you know why? I think if God would give us a little tip of the iceberg of our eternal destiny, we wouldn't be able to comprehend it. Our minds couldn't handle it. It's going to be so far above and beyond human comprehension that God uh, has seen fit to not to give us one word. All we know is that our eternal abode is going to be, what's the word? Glorious. That's all we know. All the other references are to the kingdom, the earthly kingdom, as is this one. Now, my own personal approach here is that the Father's house, so far as Israel was concerned, was the what? Well, the temple. And the priests had rather had rather nice apartments in, in the temple complex. So Jesus is really telling them when he returns and the millennial temple appears, these 12 men are going to have great mansions in the temple complex. He's not talking about us, the body of Christ. All right, now let's go all the way back to Tithes. That's all Jewish, remember. These are all pertinent to the nation of Israel and their prophecies and their promises. Come back to Zechariah. Most of you already know where I'm going, chapter 14. Let's see how all of this fits when the angel told the eleven. The Bible says, this same Jesus that you've seen in go into heaven will in like manner come again. Remember, that's not the rapture, but rather the second coming. Nobody but Paul speaks about the rapture. Okay, Zechariah chapter 14, beginning in verse 4. Zechariah chapter 14, beginning in verse 4. And his feet shall stand in that day. Now, is that some kind of an invisible cloud? Well, clouds don't have feet that I know of. No. It's that resurrected body returning after it left in Acts chapter 1. So, 
in his second coming when he returns, his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. It's the same Mount of Olives from which he left in Acts chapter 1. All right, now let's flip back to Acts. Hopefully I made my point there. Acts chapter 1, second part of verse 11. Acts chapter 1, verse 11. The Bible says, This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven, so shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Now that's as plain as language can make it. He left from the Mount of Olives. He went up head first toward heaven. But the angel said he's going to come back and stand on that same place on the Mount of Olives at his second coming. We don't know when it will be, but we feel we must be getting closer and closer every day. All right, so now the Lord has returned to glory. He's told these 11 men to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the day of the Pentecost, which is going to be 10 days down the road. But in this 10-day period, Peter is all shook up and with one tremendous item on the agenda. That's the best way I can put it. The number one item on their agenda was what? Fill that spot left open by Judas. All right, we're going to pick up right here in verse 15. Acts chapter 1, verse 15. And in those days, that in those uh, 10 days before his ascension and the day of Pentecost, and in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. Acts chapter 1, verse, verses 16 through 18. Acts chapter 1, 16 through 18. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled which the Holy Spirit by the mouth of David spoke before concerning Judas, who was guide to them that took Jesus. For he, in other words, Judas, was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased the field with the reward of iniquity. In other words, the 30 pieces of silver that the priest gave him. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. Acts chapter 1 beginning in verse 19. Acts 1, 19 through 20. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem insomuch that field is called in their proper tongue Akodama, that is to say, the field of blood. All right. Now here in verse 1, I want you to see verse 20. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his, or Judas, habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein, and his bishop prick let another take. In other words, his role as one of the twelve let another take. Now, that's what the Psalms prophesied. Now, what have I said over and over and over through the years concerning prophecy? If the book says it, guess what? It's got to happen. Nothing can ever take a prophetic statement. So you see, Judas had to fall. Matthias had to be brought in to take his place. Why? Because the book says so. I always remember that. Anything written in prophecy, when Isaiah said that the Babylonians were coming and he made it sound like it was going to be next month, how long was it? A hundred years. But it happened. 
Christ's birth was foretold specifically at least 500 years before it happened, but it happened. And how Paul does, and how does Paul put it in Galatians? Let's read Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Galatians 4, 4. The Bible said, but when the fullness of the time was come, what happened? God sent forth his son made of, made of a woman made under the law. So always remember that these theologians today like to throw away 90% of the Old Testament prophecies as if they can't happen because Israel is no longer a nation. That's what they're trying to tell people, and they're succeeding. My, my, people are falling for it. In fact, that's one of my concerns on this very thing that's taking place in Annapolis right now. Too many of those people in government are of that replacement theology, if they know anything. What does that mean? They don't feel that there's any concern for those Israelis in the homeland of the Jews because they're not Jews anyway. Oh, what a lie. That's one of the biggest lies ever been told. Because this book says that they will come back and have their homeland, as we've seen happen. So again, let me emphasize. If it's written in the Old Testament and God says, I will, you can mark it down. It's going to happen. Now, I want to ask you one more thing before I close. And I do this at the end of all my lessons. Are you 100% sure that you are going to heaven? If you're not, you need to be before the day's over. Be 100% sure that you're going to heaven. The Bible wants you to know for sure that you're going to heaven. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, it says that you may know that you have eternal life. We have to know that we've got eternal life. But the first thing we've got to do is realize that we are a sinner. We all are sinners, and we all go to heaven the same way. Once we realize we're a sinner, we have to do what? We have to repent of that sin. That means we have to forsake that sin or give it up, go another direction. Um, when we do that and believe in the finished work of the cross, say, God, I'm sorry for all the sins I've committed. Apologize to God and repent of that sin, and then believe in the finished work of the cross that the Son of God came to this earth in the flesh and was crucified, died, was put in a borrowed tomb, and three days later rose from the dead and is now sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and I. If we believe that with all our heart and soul, the Bible says we shall be saved. It don't say you might be. It says you shall be saved. And that's the most important thing in this walk of life is knowing where you're going to be spending eternity. I hope you've enjoyed this, and we'll catch you later on down the road. Dr. Buddy Walls, signing off.